You are listening to Real Life, a podcast about life, death, and expecting the unexpected. My name is Eric Lindholm. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Chuck Anderson. How you doing, Chuck? Doing great, Eric. It's so good to be here again. I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying season two, or actually, yeah, season two, episode two now. We're doing Real Life Stories. Really happy today and honored to have Tracy Hunger with us. Say hello, Tracy. Hello. <laughs> Good to have you on the on the podcast with us today. I think we'll kick it off. Um, just give us a kind of a brief uh, update of where you are, what you're doing today, and uh, where you live, and all that. We we'll just uh, get to know you a little better. Okay. Um, so I am a nurse. I live outside of Philadelphia, um, and I work at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital. I uh, am married. I have three dogs. <laughs> Three furry children. Yeah, our three furry children. Yeah. And we've been just getting to know Tracy today, and, and uh, as we've talked about in prior episodes, the Life Foundation is a big, uh, important part of what we're doing here is getting more of the stories told. So you were actually a, um, a scholarship, a grand, grand prize, a grand scholarship prize winner for them in 2008. And uh, really, it was at a point in your life when you had been through quite a bit, and so you were able to write an essay about your experiences and how life insurance was, uh, in fact, could have made a big difference in your life. But why don't you take us back to, uh, all the way back to, um, uh, in in your case, both parents passed away during your growing up years, but take us back to the very beginning when, um, you know, when you lost your mom about age four and kind of tell us the story going forward. Yeah, so, um, you know, my parents were married and both divorced. They had children who were older, and my dad was a taxi driver at the time and a contractor. And my mom was a dispatcher for the cab company. Hmm. So they met at work, and they um, were together for a few years and didn't anticipate having children. And then I came along, and uh, my mom, you know, they told my mom that I, she was going through early menopause, and then they told her that I was a tumor, and six and a half months into her pregnancy, she realized that she had a baby in her belly. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I was surprised, but I think they were happy, (laughs) but, um... Then they had my brother a few years later, which I think they knew about him a little sooner. But my mom at the time wasn't very healthy, on oxygen, and um, decided that you know she needed to get her tubes tied, just because she wasn't. They weren't in a place to have it in her children. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, she had some symptoms that things weren't right, and then you know called her doctor and said, "I don't think things are." going well, and they thought maybe it was just nerves after everything. She um, ended up having a blood clot. She died at home while my dad was at work. And my parents didn't plan. You know, she was 41 years old. She had just turned 41. They weren't thinking about... They knew that she wasn't healthy, but they weren't thinking about her passing away. Yeah. And uh, my dad came home from work and found her and uh, when he was left with a new stage in life to 
take care of a and you four were, year old and you were seven four, weeks old. You were four, and he was just a seven week old uh, little boy at that point. Yeah. Wow. And uh, he had, you know, my three older siblings lived in the home at the time. And they were about 15, 17, 18. And uh, so he had a new stage in life, but they didn't plan. No, financially, I think they leaned on each other. Both of their incomes made ends meet, and um, and she didn't have she, she didn't have any life insurance at all, right? She did not, from my understanding, did not have any life insurance. And, uh, yeah. So my dad didn't have a cushion after she passed away to make up for her income. Mm-hmm. We ended up moving out of the home that we lived in at the time, which was rented, but um, into another house, and my dad was on public housing assistance to help kind of supplement her income. So that was like all of your years between age four and then uh, it was when you were a teenager then when your when your dad, uh, he got he was already having some health issues. But uh, tell us about what happened then when you were, you know, in your teenage years and before you were 18, about the time you were 18. Yeah. So um, growing up, my dad was a contractor. He was always busy. Um, worked really, really hard just to barely keep things going. Um, you know, we have pasta a lot for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no fit in his budget for food shopping. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he slowly, as he was going on, he stopped smoking cigarettes, he stopped drinking coffee. He made a lot of changes. He was a recovered alcoholic. And um, as I entered, you know, my middle year, Middle school years, I think when I was in eighth grade, he started getting sick, and he thought, you know, first he thought it was just like a flu, he couldn't beat it, um, and not having much money, you know, he didn't have anything left over, he didn't have health insurance, um, he put off going to the doctors for a period of time, mm-hmm. and then ended up going to the emergency room, and they told him that his liver, there was something wrong with his liver, and that he should get it checked out further and um so then he spent another six months trying to get insurance he was a veteran so he was able to get into the va and found out that he had hepatitis c and end stage liver disease and you know that at that point it didn't look so great yeah that about were you about 16 17 at that point i so when he first got sick i was in eighth grade so i was about 13 wow Wow. And he, um, he, he was around until you were 18 then, right? Yeah, so he was sick for a few years. Um, and it was just kind of back and forth between the hospital, a lot of tests, a lot of things to try and maintain his health. Um, but he kind of just slowly deteriorated. And, you know, at that point he had to stop working as a contractor. He physically couldn't do it. He started driving for a local community transit. And, you know, at first everything was okay. His health wasn't as bad in the beginning. And then it just slowly declined. Um, and as things got worse, you know, the, there was a time the doctor called and I picked up the phone at the same time my dad did. He didn't realize I was on the other phone in the house. And, you know, they told him, they discussed the fact that his health was not good. And that because of his liver, he was, you know, could get confused with time. 
the medications that he needed to be on, you know, made him go to the bathroom to get rid of the toxins from his liver. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he wouldn't take it because he was at work. Mm-hmm. And the only place he could, like, he'd have to stop driving to go to the bathroom. And um, so he told them that, you know, I can't stop working. I have, you know, it was the only time I ever heard him cry. And he said, you know, I have two young kids and I don't have any money. I have nothing in savings. Yeah. And I can't physically stop working. I need, I won't be able to take care of my children if I stop working. So the next day I went to the school social worker and, you know, explained the situation. And so what I'd like to stop going to school at that t- time, I was, you know, in 10th grade in high school. And we had a night school program, but it was for kids with behavior problems. Mm-hmm. And they had to go to they had to work during the day and they could go to night school mm-hmm. and in turn they would graduate with their high school diploma if they were able to maintain the program. So I asked if I could get into that program so that I could help with the bills because I thought that might help my dad's health a little. We kind of switched roles as things went on. Yeah. Um, and they said it was okay and then we had to convince my dad who... You know, when I proposed the idea to him, he was completely against it because he was so, you know, he always stressed the importance of going to school, that each, you know, finishing high school, going to college was each a key into being successful and being able to live independently and not rely on anyone else or rely on any assistance programs to, you know, make ends meet. And he knew that he was, like, between a wall. What you were proposing is that uh, you'd keep going to school. It was just that you were going to switch your schedule to work during the day and then go to school in the nighttime, right? So Yeah, but I think in the, it's just something my dad was always in survival mood, I think, growing up. Yeah. He always, you know, something would go, the car would break down, the roof would be leaking, and my dad would always think of something clever on how, okay, well, what bill can I stop paying? to make this happen mm-hmm. and to be able to fix this or how can we cut corners or, yeah. you know, what could I do? And I saw that growing up, so I think my mindset was, what can I do to help my dad, yeah. to help us stay in our house, yeah. to help? It was kind of like ingrained and it was just natural to think, well, what can I do now to help? Because that's, you know, we saw that. We didn't go on vacations as a family growing up. We didn't have the money to do it. It was a luxury and, uh, but that was the one thing that was a constant was, you know, my dad was always worrying about how he was going to make the next bill, how he was going to keep the light on, how he was going to put food on the table, and what bill could he put off for the next month to make that happen. And really, just from the point at which your mom passed away, I mean, he really, I mean, he was probably already frugal, but then he kind of went into that mode of, of, of really trying to find... Make you know, come up with the best solution with the most limited expense. Do you remember um, at the at your younger ages when it was just you know you, after your mom had passed away, and so I guess you know you were only four. Or so, but do you remember as a before you were in middle school, the subject of life insurance ever coming up? Did he did he look into that? Was he concerned about you know what would happen? So he sat down with someone when I was in. I guess middle school, elementary school, who came to our house to talk about, you know, he created a will in the event that something happened to him who would take care of us, mm-hmm. what that would look like. And he obtained a life insurance policy at that point because I remember the person talking to him about, you know, what if something happened 
to you? How would someone else financially take care of your children? What would you leave behind to help them maintain and continue on with all the things that you think are important for them? And so we did obtain a life insurance policy at that time. But, you know, as things went on and he thought about bills that he should stop each month, I think at first he knew it was, like, an important bill to keep, but eventually his life insurance policy is one of the things that he let go of to help put more income into his monthly to be able to pay our bills. Mm. So he did get rid of that policy. Um, but after he got sick, he went back and looked at it and was able to get the $10,000 policy just to cover, you know, in the event of when he passed away a funeral. Yeah. But with his health the way that he was, there was nothing else that anyone would really offer or that he could afford at that time after he was already sick and terminally ill. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how people don't, it's, you know, we talked about this before, how you should buy it when you're young and when you're healthy, and then the cost is hardly anything. And then he reached the point where he could really only qualify for 10000 which we all know doesn't go very far. I'm sure it helped a little bit at the time. but So by the time you were 18, um, you were a lot of responsibility because your brother was 14, and at that point you'd lost both your parents. So, I mean... What was life like after after he passed away? What did you? How did you guys make it through school? Yeah. Um, so after Dad Dad passed away, you know, my brother at the time was in eighth grade. We were in. We had right before he got sick. The year that he was um, actively dying, we moved from the one house that we were living in. The one neighborhood was really rough, mm-hmm. and my dad knew that if we didn't get out of that neighborhood, you know things may not go well for us or something bad could happen. So we moved into a new school district. And um, I knew that my brother wouldn't do well in the high school there and didn't really have a lot of male support. So the church, my high school counselor, had um, helped us with, with me finding someone to help me get guardianship of my brother. And you know, the whole high school class helped raise money for us. And... Um, she found someone from the church who came out and said, how can we help you guys? And the one thing that was important was my brother getting a good high school education. Mm-hmm. And um, she was able to find someone who sponsored my brother to go all four years to Monsignor Bonner High School, um, Catholic school, an all-boys school. And um, he went through high school there and did really well. He um, didn't do very great in public school, and then he excelled in high school with, I think, the support and the resources he had. Mm-hmm. And um, when he was graduating from high school, the discussion we had was, you know, that he wanted to go live on campus and get that experience that everyone else was getting in college. And, you know, while he was in high school, I worked numerous jobs, like odd jobs, and I went to school at night. I had to get my GED after my dad passed away because I had to drop out of school and just worked full-time, mm-hmm. and um, that kind of took me, we took us to a spot that we were like, okay, we had been managing for so long in the situation that we were in, but we thought about, okay, how can we live and be able to make it happen that he could go live at school, and um, we looked at a lot of options. We went and looked at, like, a one-bedroom apartment to see if we could, you know, have bunk beds and 
different things on how we can, because I would lose his social security benefits at that point, and, you know, the resources, the public housing assistance all went off of how many people are in the house and your income, mm-hmm. and she's no longer going to be a dependent anymore. So uh, we decided, with a lot of support from other people, that we could put all of our stuff in storage, and my brother moved into his dorm rooms in school, and I... I was like 23, moved into the dorm rooms in my school, college, and uh, we kind of just, we lived with whoever we could. We were essentially homeless and lived with anyone we could while we were in college. Um, luckily, you know, the person who sponsored us let us stay with them the first year, and then our, one of our aunts let my brother stay with him, with her during the school year, and like on weekends and the summers, and uh I kind of just stayed with whoever would let me stay with them during the breaks. And, you know, we just kind of floated around just because we knew we wanted to do anything we could to make it through and get our college degrees. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a position that, like, not a lot of people could even imagine. Uh, I sure can't. How has going through that changed your relationship with money and with thinking about life insurance? Like... I know that you were already, your family was already pretty frugal while your dad was around, but how did having to raise your brother and put yourself through college and put him through college affect how you look at your finances now? Well, I mean, I definitely have, you know, I had to learn to change my thought process on things because I too took over the thought of like, okay, how can I put this bill off to pay that bill? Or how can I do this, you know, just to get into that survival mode because we, you know, did have a lot of the same experiences. And now as an adult, I realize, you know, I, my husband, and then my husband, while I was staying with someone during one of the summer breaks from school, and um, we got a life insurance policy, you know, before, while we were dating, I ended up getting a life insurance policy and mm-hmm. just helped open my eyes to see that, you know, you have to budget and take each, you know, you can't take each day for granted because something could change. So although my dad taught me to plan and prepare for the future, you know, it made me realize that you have to prepare for the unexpected of tomorrow. So I've kind of learned to look at how you can budget and manage things a little bit better. Yeah, hearing you about you and your husband buying policies even before you were married, it, it it makes me think of you as one of the most prepared people. I mean, uh, one of the benefits of, uh, or one of the most important goals of, of Quotacy uh, is, is reaching out to the underinsured or the uninsured public, which it's still 50 million households. And actually the ver- majority of people in their 20s and early 30s, like we said earlier, just, it's not a priority. It's their, they, they feel like it's the furthest thing from their mind, but I can't think of too many stories like uh, unlike yours where um, it was really important. It would have been such an important thing at a young age had your parents both had life insurance before either of them had health issues. It would have been inexpensive, and it would have been if they. But it just it would just wasn't top in the top of their mind at that time. So yeah, well, and even with knowing you know firsthand how that can affect you, it's still took me a lot to realize even as a young adult like I had been through these experiences I saw how my mom not having life insurance 
kind of left my dad in a situation where he struggled even more, just barely could keep his head afloat, um, and relied on a lot of people to help with, you know, a lot of things. And, you know, and then I saw my dad going through those things, and after he passed away, you know, having to, you know, the car breaks down or the dryer breaks, you know, having to have people help you or, you know, having to pick up more hours or odd jobs to make things work so that you can stay in your home and keep things going. I still didn't think about, I knew how important it was to have it, but I didn't think about it in full until someone asked me more deeply about, like, well, do you have life insurance? And at the time I was 23, I was healthy. I wasn't thinking about, you know, I was talking about getting married. I was engaged, but I wasn't thinking about, oh, you know, I should have a life insurance policy right now to protect my future and to protect myself. It made me think about it a little more like, okay, I, I am young. I am healthy. I do want to have a family. Even if you don't want to have a family, mm-hmm. you want to be able to leave someone something to maintain, you know, to be able to pay your house off, to pay the bills that you may have behind. Yeah. That's just so important. And uh, you're on, you're very humble about it, but you're 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 like one of the strongest people I've spoken to in terms of what you've been through and how I can't even imagine to be 18 years old and both parents gone. You've got a 14 year old brother and the the things that you did. And then when we talked to you earlier to find out that you're now uh, a registered nurse at the is at the University of Pennsylvania in Philly. Yeah. And your brother is finished. Did he finish his undergraduate studies? He finishes undergraduate studies, and he has a master's degree from Bordeaux. Wow. That is just so mm-hmm. amazing, and that the two of you, and I know your dad talked to you a lot about finishing school. I mean, he would be so proud, both your parents would, and then to... Uh, he would. You know, and then... He would be so proud, but he would have wanted us to not struggle as much. Yeah. I think if he could have... Um, if he could do things differently, I think he would have kept that life insurance policy. Oh, I, I think I know if he, he would could, have. yeah, he would have thought. It's not that it would have made or break. It wouldn't have. It wasn't really going to make or break our situation. I think, but it would have given us time to really grieve and. Yeah, that's the hardest part. On the situation. Yeah, just to not have a cushion, not have a backup for the you know, in place, you almost can't grieve. You got to um, grow up really fast. You gr- yeah, you had to grow up super fast. I mean, even as a four-year-old uh, helping your dad, but then to, to, you know, 14 years later have both parents gone and then there's no time to grieve. And then even just a $100,000 policy would have made all the difference in the world and at a younger age would have been so inexpensive. And, um, you know, most people today in their 20s, they could afford a, a two hundred and fifty thousand policy dollar policy, and not wouldn't even change their lifestyle that much. You know, it's about the the cost of a cup of coffee per day. So, um, I think it's so exciting to hear about uh, your life today. I'm so honored to get to meet you, Tracy. Um, I think on behalf of both Eric and I, we just want to thank you for taking the time. I really I plan on keeping in touch. We certainly want to let you know when the episode drops, and then. Um, I know we're sending you an honorarium as well. I, I uh, got to meet you through Jack DeWald. So I don't know if you remember Jack from the Life Foundation, but I think you uh, were the scholarship winner the year, one of the years that he was the president. So he said to say hello to you as well. And 
uh, plan on keeping in touch, and just thanks so much for be- joining us today. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. A pleasure. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, yeah, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Real Life. Special thanks to Tracy Hunger for sharing her story with us. You can learn more about Tracy and read her grand prize winning essay at lifehappens.org. We'll put a link to that in the description below. This episode was edited by me, Eric Lindholm, and this podcast was made possible by Quotacy. Quotacy is an online life insurance broker that helps you find the best deal on the right life insurance. Get free quotes, compare policies, and apply online at Quotacy.com. That's Q-U-O-T-A-C-Y.com.